Welcome to another episode of About Mansfield. I'm Steve Casillo, always broadcasting from the Cellmark Studios, along with Colleen Daniel and the About Mansfield News team. We are your audio newspaper, and thank you for being here with us. Coming up on this episode, it's Mansfield News, sports and weather for the upcoming week. And a little later in the episode, you will have a chance to win a $25 gift card to our place with our Mansfield trivia question. Let's take a look at the stories we're covering this week. Mansfield voters send a strong message at the polls. Mayor Michael Evans joins us, updates us on what happened at the city council meeting on Monday in a moment with the mayor. Mansfield restaurant management students rank best in the country. Keep Mansfield Beautiful confirms its gold star reputation. In sports, track and field students are heading to state competition. Coming up in the features section. A meteor from beyond our solar system is at the bottom of the Pacific Ocean. I'm science reporter Dennis Webb and I will discuss this in the science segment. Self-care can help you take care of others. I'm Angel Biasati with Methodist Mansfield News to Know, and we'll talk about it. I'm Beth Steinke, and today we're going to provide some important cautions to renters on the Mansfield Real Estate Report. Are you ready for the summer? I'm home improvement specialist Terry Radswin, and we'll get you the tools you need to enjoy a summer full of yard work in the Ask Terry segment later in the show. In this week's Cocktail of the Week segment, I'll be talking about a cocktail that would help you celebrate one of the bright lives in your life, your mother. We have the seven-day weather forecast. And in the talk segment, Steve concludes his human trafficking interview with Mansfield resident Angela Thorne. We are Mansfield's only source for news, talk, and information. This is About Mansfield. Since 1988, Jack Lauderman CPA Firm has been the premier tax and accounting firm for North Texas. I'm Adam Cohen, tax manager for Jack Lauderman CPA. Whether you need CFO services or simply tax preparation or anything in between, we provide every level of business tax and accounting service. Call us at 817-231-0666 or visit us on the web at dfwtaxteam.com. That's dfwtaxteam.com. I'm Philip Washington, Chief Investment Officer of Stonehill Wealth Management and host of the Wealth Building Made Simple podcast. First book I read in college was Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and it changed my life. And since then, I've read tons and tons of books on money. And what I've done is taken those lessons, simplified them, and I talk about those lessons on the podcast, Wealth Building Made Simple. So come hang out with us. We're on every major platform, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and on YouTube, Wealth Building Made Simple. I'm Dr. Joseph Adams of Calibration Chiropractic and Functional Health. And if you or your loved one is suffering with headaches and or migraines, we invite you to come sit down with our team and see if we can find a solution. What we know about migraines is that they're a complex neurological disorder and there are many different triggers and appropriate treatment requires a team that can address all those factors. So if you or somebody you know is suffering from migraines, we invite you to come into the office and sit down and have a conversation with us and see if we can help you. Calibration Chiropractic and Functional Health, 408 South Main Street in downtown Mansfield. Hi, I'm Courtney Lackey-Wilson, and you're listening to About Mansfield. Welcome back to About Mansfield. Mansfield voters spoke loudly at the polls on Saturday, predominantly citing a concern about higher taxes, as four of the five municipal bond propositions were rejected. Residents voted in favor of expanding the Mansfield Linear Trail Network, including Walnut Creek and Pond Branch Linear Parks, at a cost of $10.5 million, meanwhile denying the four other propositions, including a veterans memorial, a new library recreation center, and new and upgraded ballparks, totaling $155 million in bonds. Approximately 6,300 votes were cast, resulting in a 13% turnout of registered voters. We'll check the MISD school board results after Steve spends a moment with the mayor. Mansfield City Council held a regularly scheduled meeting on Monday, and the following opinions are those of Michael Evans and may not necessarily reflect those of the Mansfield City Council. Good morning, Michael Evans. Good morning, Steve. It's good to be here today. Before we get into what happened Monday night, uh, obviously the big election, Saturday, and the voters spoke. The voters did speak, and it was a big election. It was a big election. 
Uh, of course, um, again, we wanted all five propositions to pass. Sure. Uh, one uh, passed, and that is the uh, Proposition D that uh, had to do with the linear trails or what have you. And the people spoke, and uh, we have our marching orders, and we're going to abide by uh, what our voters um, have have stated, uh, have said uh, with their vote. So, uh, you know, we move forward. Uh, we want to make sure, of course, that Mansfield uh, is that place that uh, offers uh, world-class amenities to mm-hmm. our visitors as well as our residents. But... Um, it is what it is when you ask people to give you their opinion and they give it to you. Now is our time to accept it and to keep pressing forward and also to thank those who voted and uh, shared their sentiments with us. We keep moving forward. We've got to move forward. We're Mansfield. Let's, strong. That's right. We, let's talk about Monday and uh, start with the four o'clock work session. Yes, and our four o'clock work session, a council discussed amendments to the Mansfield Code of Ordinances for the fire department. And uh, this would allow the fire department to post its fees for ambulance services on its website and also to update the schedule of charges uh, as needed. So they didn't have the permission to do that. Now, uh, when we voted on this in the consent agenda, they did. We also talked about um, a a new list of ordinances uh, for our inspection department as well, uh, as we um, work to uh, bring all of that in-house, receiving it, taking it away from the county, putting it under the uh, city city's roof. So what we did was uh, we discussed what those new ordinances would look like for uh, child care uh, providers, uh, as well as our inspection department, and primarily those who will inspect uh, our apartments and uh, uh making sure that the residents have good living conditions. So did quite a bit at that four o'clock session. Moving into the seven o'clock uh, open session there at the, the chambers, uh, you started off with three pro- proclamations. Yes, we did. Uh, the first one was honoring our men and women in law enforcement uh, during National Police Week. That is this week. And just a shout out to the men and women in blue. We appreciate them. We have one of the safest cities in our country. And um, uh, Chief Tracy Aaron and his entire our team are doing an outstanding job. And let me tell you something. We love our policemen and women here in Mansfield. Now, the second thing that we did, we recognized all of our uh, correctional officers and employees. And uh, finally, uh, we, you know, these people are the unsung heroes, those people who work in our water treatment plant. Man, we don't, you just need to really appreciate them. We have some of the cleanest water uh, in the state. So uh, May uh, is recognized as Water Safety Month. So we did that and we congratulated uh, that entire crew. You know who are also unsung heroes? Our interns. Our interns yes. are. Yes, yes, they are because they are our future. Listen, we... Uh, uh, last night or the other night uh, was the, the culmination, if you would, of the internship class. So uh, these young people had the opportunity to gain real life experiences uh, by working in several of our departments in the city. And um, we wish them well as they continue on uh, their uh, professional careers. Uh, all of well, most of them, 98 percent of them all come from our MISD schools. Nice. Uh, they're heading off to uh, Harvard. They're heading off to Loyola. I mean, places like like that. And um, you know what? Our future is going to be in great hands uh, with these young people. So my hope is that they will boomerang. We, we want them back in Mansfield. That's why we wanted to bring in more of those amenities, by the way. I just thought I'd throw that in. But uh, we sure <laughs> want to attract uh, uh, young people back to our, <laughs> our city. And, and let, me, let me say this, oh boy, before I get in trouble with Sergeant Kimmel at uh, Mansfield High School, because our JROTC uh, uh, is an award-winning, nationally recognized JROTC. So, yeah. oh my gosh, pardon my humanity, it does get in the way. But uh, we want them to know that they did an outstanding job and moms and pops and kids that's in JROTC, give a good thumbs up to those folks leading them in our high schools. Let's get into ordinances now. Facades, porches, and donation boxes. I'll just go ahead and lead you right into all three of those. Yes. You, you know, we did. Um, we talked about that on last night. Uh, we approved um, the final reading to amend the code of ordinances defining that oft-used term facades and porches. 
Then the council, uh, we held a public hearing and final reading regarding donation boxes. Yeah. Uh, now, these are these are not the boxes where you just slip money in. These are the ones where you put in your clothes and shoes and, and all of that. And sometimes those can really be unsightly. So we uh, passed, uh, if you would... Uh, we 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 kind of had to tighten that up a little bit. So now now you have to have a pre a permit in order to uh, place the donation box in said location. And if it becomes unsightly, we will take it up, and uh, we won't be able to do that anymore. So so we also had a public hearing and first reading uh, that was held um, for an aud- an ordinance uh, that would approve a change of zoning to approximately sixty one acres of property located at fourteen hundred. Flying L Lane. I bet most folks in town who's been here a little while know where that is. It's going right down South Main. So uh, that is going to be um, now a housing development and um, it's going to be a planned development district. So it's amazing how things are changing here in town. Council also held a public hearing, uh, continuation and second and final reading of an ordinance uh, approving a zoning change for more than 14 acres of land located at the southeast intersection of uh, Debbie Lane and North Walnut Creek Drive. And um, this is the planned development for townhomes, about 127 uh, of them. And um, it's going to be located on that 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 vacant corner uh, that um, so many of us uh, know about, just driving down Debbie Lane. So uh, we're going to now have homes there. But here's something big, too, uh, Council. We, we approved a community activation grant to fund up to $12,000 for the under the big top event. It's like a like a circus. But the picture I saw was a guy who was spitting fire out of his mouth. And I wondered. How much wild turkey or Everclear did he have to drink in order to make that happen? I mean, it just blows my mind. But anyway, I want to see it happen. I want to see him do it. And uh, I'm excited about it. So um, <laughs> this is going to take place, by the way, Friday, March, uh, May 20th, Friday, May 20, at the lot. At the lot. At the lot. We have a lot happening at the lot. Pun intended. <laughs> Mayor Michael Evans, a busy Monday night, and uh, we appreciate your time. Thanks for coming on about Mansfield. We'll do this again in a couple of weeks. I sure hope so. Thank you so very much for having me, Steve. It's a moment with the mayor on About Mansfield. Elsewhere in election news, three of the four empty Mansfield ISD school board seats have been filled by the voters, as Courtney Lackey-Wilson, Bianca Benavides-Anderson, and incumbent Keja Valdez-Ferrar won their respective races. Place three will be decided in a runoff in June, as candidate Craig Tipping failed to garner the 50% plus one votes over Dr. Benita Reed. The school board elections had their share of statewide exposure, as the Texas Tribune reports that each of the MISD school board race winners were largely backed by political action committees, including the grapevine-based PAC Patriot Mobile Action. The PAC reportedly spent at least $38,000 in advertising and canvassing for each of the four Mansfield ISD candidates. You see their Adopt-A-Street signs all over Mansfield and Keeping Our City Beautiful. Well, it's it's in their name. The Keep Mansfield Beautiful Commission received a gold star recognition last week from the Keep Texas Beautiful organization. The Keep Mansfield Beautiful Commission is a city council-appointed group who sponsored the annual Earth Day Mansfield Festival that was held back in April. The commission also promotes litter cleanups throughout the city, and they have recently begun sponsoring the Cigarette Butler Recycling Program in historic downtown. Keep Texas Beautiful will formally recognize the Mansfield Group during its 55th annual conference in June. As we reported last week on this newscast, Ben Barber culinary students were headed to a national competition and the students stepped up in big fashion, taking home fourth place honors in cooking and winning the national title in restaurant management. In addition to bragging rights, Ben Barber's restaurant management team, made up of Griffin Biddle, Logan Cerulean, Alexis Davis, and Bella Penns, will each receive $7,000 to be used at the college of their choice. The Ben Barber team also won first prize in 2019, the last time the competition was held in person, making them back-to-back national champions. In sports, after a successful finish at the regional track and field competition, there are
are 22 Mansfield ISD student-athletes who will be advancing to this year's UIL track and field state meet. Students from all five of MISD's high school track and field programs will be represented. To qualify for state, the student-athletes had to finish in the top two places of their region or place third and earn the lone wild card spot. The state track and field meet takes place on May 13th and 14th at Myers Stadium in Austin. Just a quick reminder that if you know of any news that's happening in Mansfield, shoot us an email to news at aboutmansfield.com. Again, that email address is news at aboutmansfield.com. Please include your name and your phone number in the event that we need more information. This Monday is National Barbecue Day, a day that pays homage to the protein purist, be it professional or weekend warrior, who fires up charcoal or wood or gas, or pellets, and slow cooks their meat over indirect heat. While the type of protein and seasonings may vary, be it brisket, ribs, or my favorite, jalapeno sausage, each part of the country specializes in their own flavors and sauces. So whether your style is from Texas, Kansas City, or South Carolina, fire up the smoker on Monday and make sure it's low and slow. Let's head on over to the weather desk. Uh, Colleen, what's your favorite barbecue? Steve, I don't know if I've ever encountered any barbecue I didn't like, to be honest. I do feel like I need to keep silverware on me because at some of the best barbecue places, they slap your selection on a sheet of craft paper and you're expected to go after it like a hyena at the kill. Let's take a look at the weather for the next seven days in Mansfield, Texas. Sadly, These temperatures are a little too warm for me this time of year. Our normal temperatures would be in the low 80s, but instead we'll continue to flirt with daily record highs with muggy hot days in the low to mid 90s and no more than a random 10% chance of rain. We're looking at 92 for a high Wednesday, 93 Thursday, 94 Friday, 93 Saturday, 92 Sunday, and we're projected to be right at our record high temps Monday and Tuesday with highs of 94 and 96 degrees, respectively. Coming up after the break, we turn the page to the features section. Today, we're talking science, health, real estate, home improvement, and rounding it out with the cocktail of the week. We are Mansfield's only source for news, talk, and information. I'm Colleen Daniel, and this is About Mansfield. At Methodist Health System, every person we treat is a vital part of the communities we call home. Table for two. That's why we're dedicated to exceptional, innovative care. From robotic surgery and advanced oncology to helping you find a healthier path. And hold that pose. Three, two, one. Being there when and where our neighbors need us. The doctor will be right in. That's community. And why so many people trust Methodist. Hi, this is Roger of the Roger and Beth team at Century 21 Judge Fight. The real estate market is far more dynamic today than it has ever been, with values changing quickly. Now is the time to get an update on your real estate portfolio. We're offering a no-cost, no-obligation real estate portfolio review to all About Mansfield podcast listeners. Visit our website at homesinmansfield.com to learn more and to stay on top of what's happening in your neighborhood. Thank you for allowing us to serve you as your go-to Mansfield area real estate resource. Again, that's homesinmansfield.com. Hey, it's Steve Casillo. I want to take a second to tell you about Podcast Mansfield Recording Studio. It's where we record and produce the About Mansfield podcast episodes. Podcast Mansfield is a full-service studio with recording, editing, mixing, and mastering capabilities, and can even help market your podcast. Podcast Mansfield is home to such great locally produced shows, such as Ask Philip, Daughter of the Other Woman, Stir the Pot, He Loves Me, He Loves Me Not, and We Are TPM, just to name a few, and also handles post-production duties for remote clients, such as Coaching Through Chaos out of San Diego and Military Resource Radio out of Detroit. So whether you're a hands-on person who just needs a place to record your podcast or need advice from concept to completion, Podcast Mansfield is there to help. Conveniently located on Heritage Parkway just off of 287 in Mansfield, mention the About Mansfield podcast and record your first episode at no charge. For more information on starting your podcast, or if you're looking for a better place to record, Podcast Mansfield Recording Studio can be found on the internet at podcastmansfield.com. 
wisewellness.com. Hey Mansfield, Sonia here from Wise Wellness. Did you know that Wise Wellness is now mobile? Yep, we have changed our business model to best serve our clients. That means you can order online and usually have it delivered within 24 hours or less. We're bringing the best CBD tinctures, topicals, edibles, and pet products directly to your door. Visit our website at wisewell.com to see our selection. That's W-Y-S-E-Well.com. Got pain? Need sleep? Does your pet have storm or separation anxiety? We've got you covered. Don't forget about our specialty, Tom's Treats. These little gems of goodness can help promote better sleep and overall wellness. With six main ingredients and no preservatives, they're the best around. Give us a call at 682-313-4767, visit the website, or reach out to us on social media to connect. As a thank you to the About Mansfield podcast listeners, use the promo code AMPOD to buy one, get one free on our website. Again, that's wisewell.com, W-Y-S-E, well.com. Hi, I'm Michelle Newsom, and you're listening to About Mansfield. Welcome back to About Mansfield, your audio newspaper. Let's open up the features section. Let's head on over to the science desk where roving science reporter Dennis Webb takes us deep into the ocean in search for a meteorite. Dennis? Thank you, Steve. A while back, I saw a science news story that caught my attention. Roughly summarized, respected Harvard astrophysicist Avi Loeb calls for an expedition to recover meteorite pieces from the bottom of the ocean from a meteor originally from beyond the solar system. This is a big deal, as we discovered the first of these things years a few years ago, but had no evidence of one ever hit Earth, where we could take it to the lab and learn a lot of things. Early in the article, it said the referee journals would not accept the article for publication, suggesting I stop reading and wait for a better version of the story. Recently, an unprecedented official confirmation of the story came out of the U.S. Space Force, confirming and agreeing with Dr. Loeb that an object from outside our solar system had indeed exploded in the atmosphere above the Pacific Ocean in 2014. This confirmation was unprecedented because Space Force and its predecessors, the U.S. Space Command, are not in the business of confirming or denying things they know about space. It's that uh, secret technical advantage in the high ground sort of thing. A few weeks ago, one of Dr. Loeb's colleagues wrote an article for Scientific American talking about the research and how the Space Force came to issue their confirmation. It's a great story about how science works. In 2019, Dr. Loeb and his team were doing research on the first known object from beyond the solar system called Oumuamua, observed near the sun in 2017. There were a lot of observations made on this unusual object, and very strange research speculating about what it was, but so many questions remained, and they were trying to find ways to detect another one and learn more. The U.S. military had shared information with NASA from one of its satellites about meteorite fireballs, where a meteor explodes in the atmosphere and then falls to the Earth as little pieces. The military satellite is looking for things other than natural fireballs, but they're happy to share their ultra-precise measurements of those meteor events with NASA. And they do this in the form of putting data in a public research database about near-Earth objects. Loeb and his colleague, Amir Siraj, thought they should go through the database looking for atmosphere meteor explosions at velocities and orientations that could only come from beyond the solar system. We know a lot about meteors and asteroids near the Earth, and the physics is pretty unambiguous on this question. So, going through the database, one fireball explosion met the velocity criteria. It was a one-meter space rock that exploded with a force of 110 metric tons of TNT off the coast of Papua New Guinea on January 8, 2014. The secret military satellite data give latitude, longitude, velocity vector, and a characterization of the strength of the explosion to a very precise degree. But how good it is remains a secret, so our enemies do not know just how good we are. So, Loeb and his team crunch the numbers they have, adding their knowledge of celestial mechanics, and excitedly put out a paper, initially on a preprint server, hoping for acceptance by high-profile publication, which involves peer review. So, an academic publisher assigned an independent referee to review the paper, but the referee rejected it, as they do not show how their error estimates from the sensor that that is on the secret satellite are factored into their likelihood estimate that it came from beyond the solar systems. 
The researchers used their professional contacts to get to an anonymous analyst on the team in the Space Force that had declassified the secret data, and the analyst agrees to give them the error factors for the instrument, and they revise and resubmit the paper. The referee rejects the paper again. This is science. We don't recognize numbers received from an unnamed government employee as valid data unless his agency is willing to stand behind the data. You can't use it. At this point, the research team moves on to other research, but the preprint is still out there and found a useful ally in the form of retired Air Force General Pete Warden, who took an interest, and after months of bureaucratic national security negotiation, the Space Force released its unusual endorsement. I laughed out loud when I read the name. I had actually met Pete Warden in 2001, as he was a member of an independent review panel that had been chartered to get to the bottom of what was wrong with the space station program almost always cost and schedule, and it it was just another day in NASA programs. I met him on the morning of September 11, 2001, in the biggest, fanciest conference room in our building to formally kick off the review, and this was when the planes hit the Twin Towers. The meeting was shot down, the Space Center was closed and evacuated, and Pete headed upstairs to the center director's office to see if he could help. I later learned that Pete Warden had a remarkable career in military space programs and uh, astronomical research. He has a doctorate in astronomy, and he had a 29-year career in the Air Force, including directing one of the major organizations of what is now the U.S. Space Force and leading the development of many space military systems. After retiring, he was a research professor of astronomy, optical sciences, and planetary sciences at the University of Arizona, and is credited with 150 research papers. He spent a few years as director of one of NASA's research centers. He he is what you call an expert on space. Currently, at the age of 72, he is chairman of Breakthrough Initiatives, an organization founded by physicist Stephen Hawking and Russian-Israeli billionaire investor Yuri Milner in 2015. Breakthrough Initiatives is awarding funding for development of high-risk space projects with potentially high reward that government space agencies or private research institutions won't touch. Current projects include searching a million stars for evidence of artificial radio or laser signals, sending a swarm of tiny satellites to a nearby star at 20% of the speed of light, and locating all the Earth-sized rocky planets around stars in the sun's neighborhood. These are really ambitious things. Anyway, Pete Borden was a perfect guy to tease really interesting data from the American national security bureaucracy, and the crazy story about the alien meteor is now a part of science. If you have any questions about science, send an email to info at aboutmansfield.com. From the Science Desk at About Mansfield, I'm Dennis Webb. It's not uncommon to have our cars tuned up, but what about a personal tune-up? Angel Biasati has a healthy checklist in today's Methodist Mansfield News to Know. Self-care is important to maintaining a healthy relationship with yourself. It means doing things to take care of our minds, bodies, and souls. Life would be easy if there's a simple test to check for the human charge left in our batteries. Sometimes the first indicator that our batteries are running low is a trip to the doctor with complaints of not feeling well. In hindsight, you might remember, your illness started with many sleepless nights, your pants being a little too snug, all that candy or cake you consumed, or a need for one more cup of coffee just to get you through the day. It's one thing for your battery to need to recharge. It's another for it to be completely run down. Just like your car, Your battery doesn't run low at an opportune time. It happens just before a big presentation at work, or when your child is graduating, or when your spouse becomes ill. This is becoming an ever-increasing problem for adults who are caring for their children and their parents. We make sure our cars are receiving the proper maintenance so we are not stuck on the side of the road waiting on a tow truck. But many times, we think our health will take care of itself and don't provide the maintenance needed to ensure our motor is happily humming. Recharging our battery can be done with the simple additions to your daily life. Adding meditation or a deliberate quieting of your mind can be done while standing in the line of a grocery store. 
Rather than becoming impatient, realize you've been given a few minutes to be quiet. You can't go anywhere. Your groceries are already on the conveyor belt. Avoid the temptation to look at your phone and instead take a few deep breaths to help quiet your mind. Take a minute to listen to your surroundings. You might hear children laughing, music playing, or the wind. Other ways to regroup. Get outside once a day for some vitamin D. Sunshine and fresh air can help you decompress, clear your head, and recharge. Even though the temperatures may be hot, make it a point to get outside. Says Nancy George Cuddy, family medicine physician on the medical staff at Methodist Mansfield Medical Center. Just remember to use sunblock and stay hydrated. Make sure you're getting enough fruits and vegetables in your diet, she says. Eating five servings of fruits and vegetables each day may reduce your risk of many diseases, including heart disease and high blood pressure. Plus, the natural sugar in fruit can help you feel healthy and energized. Make time to do those annual visits with your physician. If you have mood swings, a change in appetite, or trouble sleeping, share that with your doctor. Get at least 30 minutes of exercise a day, Dr. George Cuddy recommends. Exercise can help control your weight, improve your mood and mental health, and reduce your risk of cardiovascular disease and diabetes. Break your routine to 10 minutes three times a day if you need to. Get a good night's sleep. The younger generation is not the only ones keeping electronic devices at the end of their arm. Turn them off, put them away, take time to think about your day and plan for tomorrow. Relax and sit a while. Adding just a few simple steps each day helps that much-needed maintenance to keep our motors humming even better than our cars. With the Methodist Mansfield News to Know, I'm Angel Biasati reporting for the About Mansfield podcast. What's going on in real estate locally? Realtor Beth Steinke is here with this week's Mansfield Real Estate Market Update. Renting is hard, and today it's even harder and more expensive than ever. But even more than that, searching for a rental can be full of pitfalls and scams. A few months ago, I received a phone call about a property we had listed for sale. The young lady on the phone explained that she was moving to the area from out of state and had placed a deposit on this rental, but couldn't reach the landlord. It broke my heart to tell her that the home was not listed for rent and that she was likely the victim of a scam. So not only did she lose thousands of dollars, she also didn't have a place to live. This old adage is absolute truth in the rental market today. If it looks too good to be true, it probably is. Here are three things to watch for if you or someone you know is in the market for a rental. Your first clue that something is wrong is if the house looks amazing online, but the rent is lower than the competition. Anyone can put a rental online, even scammers. You'll find these primarily on Facebook Marketplace or Craigslist, but they also will put them on other websites that look very official like Zillow or Hotpads. Those websites do not fact check or verify listings. You're going to get really excited and in a hurry to get your application in on this too good to be true deal, easily overlooking clues that this could be a scam. The second clue is if the person that you're talking with says the owner is a friend and asked him or her to assist with getting their place rented for them while they are away. But the big clue is that they are not a real estate agent. This is a common approach, and they seem sincere and legitimate. They may even have keys to show you the property, likely obtained illegally or even by breaking in and changing the locks. The third clue that you are dealing with a scammer is that they cannot show you the property at all. Maybe they are out of town or haven't received the keys yet or any number of other excuses. They may urge you to get your application and deposit in quickly to beat the competition. This one is especially prevalent for renters moving from other markets who are having to rent sight unseen, like the young lady that called me. Scammers will take homes listed for sale on public websites, reuse the pictures, post the fake rental listing, and then steal personal information and money from would-be renters. So what can you do? Number one, do a quick internet search of the address. If it comes up on all of the real estate sites as being for sale or even recently sold, then you'd better ask some additional questions. 
Number two, is the contact person a licensed real estate agent? You can search for license information on the Texas Real Estate Commission website. If they are a licensed agent, you can be comfortable knowing that they are offering a legitimate property for rent. It's okay to ask them too. Licensed real estate agents have to abide by all the state laws and regulations and could face losing their license if they do not. A realtor has an even higher ethical standard to uphold. Not all real estate agents are realtors. Lastly, you can choose to work with a licensed real estate professional to represent you as you find a rental. You don't have to go it alone. Realtors have access to properties listed in the MLS, and if it's not listed in the MLS, they will work with their clients to ensure that everything looks like it's on the up and up. Speaking of asking questions, do not be afraid to ask a lot of questions to the contact person on that rental listing. And listen carefully for clues that just don't add up. Moving is already stressful, and falling victim to a scam is a nightmare. Go into the process with your eyes wide open, knowing what to look for, and most importantly, with your real estate professional by your side. Now let's get to the Mansfield Real Estate Market update for this week. As of Tuesday, May 10th, there are 43 active and available homes for sale in Mansfield, excluding new construction. This number is slowly creeping upward as homebuyers leave the market due to rising interest rates and prices. Home prices range from a $202,000 fixer-upper with a list topping out at $2.4 million with five homes priced over $900,000. A quick check of homes that closed last week in Mansfield show 18 homes sold at an average of 105% of list price. Are there real estate topics you want to learn more about? Send us a message info at aboutmansfield.com. For the About Mansfield podcast, I'm Beth Steinke with Century 21 Judge Fight. In a world where people have thousands of questions about improving and repairing their homes, one man has the answers. It's time right now for the Ask Terry segment. Terry Radzwin is our resident home improvement specialist, and he talks about the place that you call home. Today's question comes from Jamie and she says, I remember around Christmas time, you had a list of basic tools to have around the house. Do you have a similar list of basic garden tools for those who are just starting out working in their yards? Well, Jamie, thanks for the question. I'm guessing by the phrase working in their yards that you're not just talking about a few planter boxes or hanging planters here or there. You're talking about lawns and beds and rock gardens and ponds and trees and shrubs and the like. And to do that heavy work, yes, I certainly do have a list of must-have tools. Yard work usually starts with digging, and to do that, you obviously need a shovel. But which type? I like to start with a basic pointed shovel. Depending on your height and physical conditioning, you can get either a long-handled or a short-handled one. The long-handled version will usually just have a straight handle, and the shorter ones will normally have a D-shaped loop at the top, which gives you a handhold to grip onto. You'll just have to kind of try them on at the store and see which feels most comfortable to you. The traditional wood shaft is still the most plentiful and cost-effective option, but if you're going to get serious about digging or have a lot of clay in your soil, you might want to consider paying a little more and getting a fiberglass-handled shovel, which will give you more resistance to snapping when you're working through something heavy or difficult to cut. I also like to have at least one flat shovel as well, and What's known as a transfer shovel does the job nicely. It's got a flat bottom which curves up slightly on the sides to keep material from falling off easily. They're great for scooping up loose material from sand and gravel to mulch and stones and for leveling off areas you've tilled up with the pointed shovel. Again, they'll come with a long or short shaft with the short version usually coming with a D-handle for easy gripping and pulling. Once you've dug up the soil, you need to level it out and clean out any debris or rocks, and for that task, a basic garden rake will suffice nicely. Most rakes have long handles and will come with the fiberglass or wood shaft option. If economy is an issue, this would be the tool that I'd be comfortable with saving the money and sticking with wood. You're usually not putting the kind of tension on a rake handle the way you do with a shovel, and I frankly still got the same basic garden rake that I purchased in 1990 when I bought my first house, and it has a wood handle. Of course, you'll occasionally need to chop up some soil or cut a groove for a row in a vegetable garden, and a simple garden hoe will do the job for you. Again, I'd probably opt for the fiberglass handle in this case, as I've broken a few handles over the years on stubborn clay soil or trying to mix a wheelbarrow full of concrete. Most have a pretty simply constructed head, 
but I recommend looking at how the metal parts are fabricated where the blade meets the metal shaft that engages with the fiberglass handle. Make sure there's a good strong weld there. Heavy soil or stone will snap that weld lickety split on a cheap tool. So we've got the long handle tools covered for preparation, but what do you need to get planting? I've always got a few hand trowels around. They come in several blade widths and configurations depending on what you're working with. Digging a hole for a small shrub obviously will go quicker with a wide blade, and it's easier to plant seeds and bulbs with a thinner, more curved blade. I usually also keep a hand cultivator in my kit to scuff up hardened soil and enable water to penetrate more easily in areas smaller than what a rake will cover. And once your trees and plants and shrubs start growing, how do you maintain them? You'll need some cutting tools, and these are a little more specialized. For giving a shrub or a hedge a good haircut, a pair of hedge clippers is the correct tool. They're like a big pair of sewing scissors, and they'll make short work of the job. Of course, there are gas, electric, and battery-powered versions of these if you want to make the work go even faster. To nip off small diameter branches like on a rose bush, a pruning shear is what you're after. It's a short, stubby type of scissor, more like a pair of pliers, actually, that gives you the leverage to cut through tougher material. And if you need to trim a tree or a large shrubbery, like a crepe myrtle, the anvil pruner is what I like. The blades are smallish, like the hand pruning shear, but it has handles about 18 inches long that will, again, give you the leverage to cut through branches up to about three quarters to an inch in diameter, depending on how muscular you are. Jamie, you asked for basics, and that pretty much covers it. Once you get started in your garden and beds, you'll begin acquiring more and more specialty tools. Edgers, flat spades, trenching shovels, leaf rakes, pitchforks, pickaxes, and the like. But you don't have to go nuts at first. Get your basic shovel, rake, hoe, and cutting tools, and build from there. I hope I got you started in the right direction. And hey, listeners, I need your home improvement questions to live, survive, and thrive. Big or small, inside or outside, slab to shingles, I'll take any challenge you offer me. But I need you to send them to me. Email them to askterry at aboutmansfield.com and we'll get them on the air. Hit me with your best shot and we'll talk again soon. Reporting for About Mansfield, I'm home improvement specialist, Terry Radswin. Shaken or stirred, either way, you know it's going to be good as Brian Certain is serving up another Cocktail of the Week. This week's Cocktail of the Week is the Bright Lights Cocktail. If you've been listening to my podcast or reading my blog at bourbongospel.com for very long, you have heard or read about how much I love making simple syrups. Today, I'm introducing you to a new take on a simple syrup using leftover or flat sparkling white wine or champagne. In that recipe, what you're going to do is instead of taking your normal simple syrup with your water, your sugar, and whatever you're adding it to, what I suggest you do is when you have a little bit of champagne that's left over, if that is you, or if it's gone flat, you're going to add about three cups. So add that together to make about three cups of a rosé or sparkling white wine, and you're going to add a cup of raw honey to that. And you're going to put that in a pot over low heat, stirring until the honey is dissolved. You're going to remove it from the heat and allow to cool before using. It will keep tightly covered in a refrigerator for up to a month. You can use it for any of your cocktails that you would normally add simple syrup. I've even added it to my morning coffee. You've cooked off all the alcohol, but it adds a nice little flavor with the leftover champagne taste and the honey combined just adds a really nice take. But when I came across this recipe, I had been doing a search for a new cocktail and I came across this gem on liquor.com. So there's a Brooklyn bar called Leenda, where the bar um, owner, Ivy Mix, takes extra splashes of bubbly left in the bottom of a bottle that don't get poured down the drain. They are saved and made into the wine-based syrup that I just described. She says, I particularly love making syrups with bubbles that have gone flat, a Spanish cava, a champagne, Prosecco, and so forth. I tend to use the Spanish cava or champagnes at my house, it tends to be a little bit more Prosecco. But her bar focuses on the spirits of Central and South America. And this cocktail employs Blanco or Silver Tequila, as well as the sister agave spirit, Sotul. 
Verjuice, V-E-R-J-U-S, is a highly acidic juice made by pressing unripe grapes that tends to add a brightness and twist from two different types of citrus that adds a visual punch to the drink. But don't worry about taking notes. I'll be giving out all the ingredients and the instructions, as always posted on bourbongospel.com. So the ingredients, you're going to need one ounce of a Blanco or silver tequila. You're going to need a half ounce of Sotol, S-O-T-O-L, like Por Siempre or something along those lines. Your liquor store should have a couple of different Sotols for you to choose from. You're going to use a half ounce of Verjuice. The one I bought is from a company called Wolfer, and it's available on Amazon. And then a half ounce of the champagne syrup. And then you use just a quick dash of celery bitters. The brand I used was Bitterman's. It was the only celery um, that I could find. And then for garnish, you're going to add an orange twist and a lemon twist. For the directions, you're going to take the tequila, the sotol, the verjuice, the syrup and the bitters in a mixing glass, add ice and stir until well chilled. You're going to strain that into a rocks glass over fresh ice and then garnish with the orange twist. As always, I'm open to hear your take and your input. You can reach me at bourbongospel at gmail.com. And until next week, as Mark Twain said, too much of anything is bad, but too much whiskey is barely enough. Reporting for the About Mansfield podcast, I'm Brian Certain. Congratulations to Joe Jenkins, who was the first person to email the correct answer to last week's trivia question. Who owned the first hotel in Mansfield? Joe knew that Mansfield's co-founder, Julian Field, and his wife, Henrietta, operated an inn on Broad Street in the 1860s and 1870s. It's time right now for the highly coveted, wildly popular About Mansfield trivia question. The first person to email the correct answer to trivia at aboutmansfield.com will receive a $25 gift card to Our Place Restaurant. It's real home cooking, featuring breakfast all day, as well as lunch and fresh baked homemade pies. They're open daily from 6 to 3. You can find them on the internet at ourplacerestaurants.com. Let's get to this week's question, Colleen. Well, Steve, Benjamin Franklin appointed the first postmaster general in 1775, and thus the U.S. Postal Service was born. This week's trivia question is, what year did the first post office open in Mansfield? Email your answer to trivia at aboutmansfield.com. Again, in what year did the first post office in Mansfield open? Good luck, and thanks to Benji at Our Place for the gift card. Welcome back to About Mansfield. I'm Steve Casillo as we make the transition from news to talk. And today we are going to conclude our interview with Angela Thorne, who was a victim at one point of human trafficking. The thing is, she didn't know it until years later. Is there a way for the general public to recognize a young woman who is being sex trafficked? Yes, there are. There are some key points that you can keep in mind. Um, For me, you know, thinking about was I showing signs then? Probably, you know, people that I interacted with and and talked about my lifestyle with them. That was enough to go, whoa, I don't think that's right. Um, But typically, the women being trafficked don't carry identification. They can't show you an ID. Mm -hmm. Um, They don't have control over their money. Uh, They usually don't have a debit card, cash, or anything like that. If they do have cash, it's a stack of it, but they like it's not theirs. So they'll be very protective over that, or they won't even show it to you. Uh, They don't have like a home address. They move around a lot. Um, Those are those are some you know, in the professional space, if you encounter somebody like that, um, addiction, I mean, but that's so, uh, that's not the best one to go off of because that's not always the case. Um, but those, those first ones I brought up, those are usually like key, but we all have this innate gut feeling if something's not right. And usually if that's the case, if you suspect anything, it's best to just 
look into it by, you know, contacting law enforcement. They're the only ones that can actually do anything. I don't promote vigilante work. <laughs> don't ever try to, no, to no. get in the mix of that. <laughs> There's a couple of scenarios out there. Like, for instance, I follow a girl on Instagram who started posting on her story. She's like, I'm in the Target parking lot. I just saw something really weird. I don't know who to call. And she's just putting this on her public profile or whatever and described a young woman with an older man. The girl was dressed up really, really nice. It just seemed out of place and weird. And she caught eyes with the girl and just mouthed, do you need help? Um, and she nodded her head and got back into the car. So she was able to take a picture of the license plate. I reached out to her because I saw that and gave her the proper uh, contact information, which is sheriff. Usually the sheriff department has a human trafficking unit and, and you can get contacted with the detective pretty quickly and they'll investigate for you. So you may never know what happens after that, but at least, you know, you did your part and you try to help. At age 24, Yes. How'd you get out of the life? <laughs> That's my favorite story, Let's honestly. Hear it. Okay. <laughs> so I was, I at the time did have a one and a half year old daughter. Um, and I was already on the verge of knowing, like, I need to do something different. I need to get out of this life because at this time I was living a double lifestyle. I had the mom, the daughter, the college student mask, and yeah. then I had the girl in the life mask. And, and it was really exhausting trying to keep up those two faces and, um, the shame that came with that and the guilt that came with that. It, it was just so heavy. The burden was so heavy on my shoulders. And I just knew I wanted a better life for Bella, my daughter. I just knew that I want it better for me. I just couldn't identify that's what it was I was wanting. One of the men that was um, exploiting me at the time, I told him, like, I, I don't want to be working here, here, and here anymore. I want to get a respectable job at the very least to make my own money. And he was like, eh, okay, I'll, I'll try to see what I can do and hook you up with the job. So I got a job bartending. It was a better environment per se. Like it, it was not, and I was able to wear clothes and I, you know, had normal interactions with people. Um, and it was across the street from another bar. My friend invited me to come have a drink after work one night. And my bartender was very bold and was like, you're beautiful. I would love to take you on a date. Here's my number. And he is now my husband. Wow. <laughs> and I get really it's emotional. <laughs> yeah. I get emotional at that part because he is and was my saving grace because thank you. It took meeting a man that showed respect and honor to that's all it took for me to go, oh my gosh, I'm worth more. <laughs> I yeah. don't have to be living this life anymore. There are men out there who do have a good heart and who do care and who can see me for me and not for what the world is trying to tell me I need to be. So we were attached by the hip pretty much for the next week after that. We hung out that night <laughs> and he ended up going off on vacation with his family for the next week um, for his birthday and during that week, I had to make that choice. I Do I keep living this double life and risk losing this wonderful man, or do I just get out? And so I approached, I was being trafficked by two men at that time, and I approached each separately and told them, I want out. I'm done. Not I want out. I'm out. <laughs> yeah, okay. I was just bold. I was just like, I'm done. Yeah. I'm done. Don't contact me anymore. I'm blocking your number don't find me, don't come after me. And usually when women tell that story, it comes with some horrific ending. It's very rare that a, that a woman or a girl can get out um, of that situation. And the guys were okay with? So one of them uh, was more of like a, I'm just going to be frank. He was a white, rich businessman um, who I'm sure had a line of women he was doing this to or at least had a waiting list. I don't know. Yeah, he basically was like, whatever, bye. Yeah. And then the other was involved. He was a low-level player in the cartel. He was not happy now. He he actually attempted to 
killed me. Um, but by the grace of God, uh, a situation happened during the moment and he fled. Like he, there was a point and when he, he was strangling me, I'll just be blunt. Mm -hmm. He had his hands around my neck and there was, I'll just be honest. My daughter walked in and, and his face turned ghost white. He flew off of me and just ran out my door and I never saw him again. So again, saving grace moment, um, saved my life. And that was that I was out. You mentioned 24. You also mentioned you're in your thirties. So not to get specifically how old are you, but I'm 32. I'll be 33 in June. So this is just eight years ago. Right. In my life, the amount of years that I've lived eight years ago is like, to me, it's like last, yes, I was (laughs) going to say last week. Trust me. I know. Um, It's wild. how's, How's your relationship with your daughter? Fantastic. Yeah, we've we've gone through a lot um, of growth and, and healing, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, and kind of to put it in perspective on that note, I did not make the connection that I was a survivor until 2020. I did not have a clue. That's what to call it. Um, until I watched the Epstein documentary on Netflix with my husband mm, yeah. in 2020. And I heard the survivor stories and heard their testimonies. And as I'm listening, I'm just the whole time, I'm like, holy crap. That's me. Holy crap. That happened to me. That happened to me. That happened to me. That happened to me. Like every single one of their stories, parts of it, I'm like, and then finally it clicked. And I was like, oh my gosh, I'm a survivor sex trafficking. And I was already in that space as an advocate. So the Lord was setting all this up. It was just, you know, the onion layers kind yeah. of being peeled back. Um, so you didn't know you were in the life when you were in the life. Correct. No clue. Wow. No clue. And and it's structured that way. Yeah. These pimps and traffickers and predators literally have training manuals out there to teach them how to have this as an enterprise. Uh, it's, it's scary, really. It's frightening. Before we get into... Let's talk about what you're doing today. Yeah. Uh, I I just asked you how your relationship is with your daughter. Yes. Let's, how's your relationship with your dad? You know, it hasn't really changed too much from when I was growing up. We haven't ever had a super close-knit relationship in a sense. It's good, though. Like, when we interact, it's healthy I've expressed since I started my healing journey, especially in 2020, he's aware. He knows what I'm coming out and talking about. We've never talked about it, though, in depth. We've kind of scratched the surface, and he's like, well, this doesn't add up. I don't understand kind of thing. And and I wasn't in a place to even explain it because this was still in, like, 2020. (laughs) This is right when I realized. And so I was still fresh-minded on all of it, and I probably would have reacted unhealthily and and just not knew how to communicate my feelings (laughs) to him. So... Um, but overall, it's good. He still lives in Lubbock, and mm-hmm. and we just, you know, we talk every week, maybe, and it's never about e- that. Every, <laughs> okay, just, <laughs> every week is healthy. Yeah, yeah. Let's talk about the new Angela Thorne. Yeah, and you. It's a great way to put it. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So uh, uh, that life is behind you. Yes. You created a nonprofit. Yes. Tell me about the nonprofit. Sure. So the name is Moses Movement. And um, I guess for those that aren't familiar, that understand what that means, Moses is a character and, or not a character, is a man in the Bible um, who brought the captives out of Egypt and set them free, the Israelites. Parted the Red Sea? Yes. Parted mm-hmm. the Red Sea and, and kind of set forth this movement of freedom. And so that's where the name comes from. It was very visionary. I I got supernatural wisdom there on all of it. it this whole thing, really, uh, it was not necessarily by choice. It was more divine appointment. Uh, and so, back in 2020, when I made the realization, when I got to the point where I was making the connection that I was a survivor really propelled me to really want to make a difference. Like, okay, now that I realize my story will help so many people in this space, I'm going to start utilizing that. And so 
I started speaking at rallies. Those were really big in 2020. And um, I just saw the um, impact that it was having on the audience and what people were walking up to me saying, um, how my story helped them make the connection that they were a survivor or something like that. And so I was like, I have to do more than this. (laughs) Like, this can't be all I'm doing here. Um, I know I was made for more. And so... um, Two years of networking and everything, um, Moses Movement was birthed. Um, We actually just structured ourselves last September. And our mission is to educate, equip, and empower communities to prevent sexual exploitation and human trafficking. So everything that we do will be focused on pure education, awareness, and then tools either to get out or to prevent going into Okay. That scenario. And if someone wanted to, you you go out and do public speaking. Correct. And when someone brings you in to do a, a public speaking event, what can they expect to learn sure. from, from the event? So we have three different programs, and I kind of highlight one of them in any presentation that I give, which is a documentary telling my story. Uh, it's titled Getting Out. It's a short film documentary. We're looking to raise funds to expand that project. Um, But for now, it's just a short under five minute video um, that highlights my story. So I always show that prior uh, to kind of set the tone, set the mood, get people primed for what they're about to hear um, because it does it delicately. Okay. I'll say. And um, but it does floor people like the looks on people's faces after that. I just kind of have to lift their spirits a little bit after I'm like, don't worry. <laughs> um, and then I kind of elaborate on the story like I've done today, my past, how I got here. And then I just go into ways they can recognize tools, resources. I provide all those things, um, handouts and, and such. Um, I've never done a presentation in depth, like an in-depth presentation. It's always been uh, kind of focused on my story. So I just kind of share my story and share my testimony because there's power in that, truly. Um, And it gets people to realize this isn't just something that happens uh, in other countries or um, this doesn't happen to just people who are poverty-ridden. Or And I mentioned way back in the introduction that that we've, on this podcast, have not talked about sex trafficking since literally episode three, four, five, somewhere around there, two and a half years ago. Yeah. And the one thing I did learn from there is that DFW is a major hub. Right. It's number two in Texas. So Houston being one for the sole fact that they have that uh, port there and it makes it easier to transport um, humans, unfortunately. And Dallas, Fort Worth being right in the middle of the country becomes, all right, let's, let's, yeah. Whether it's bringing them up through across the border into right. now the DFW. And, and they, it's just heavily, like where there's a lot of people, there's going to be this issue. I mean, mm-hmm. even rural, rural areas like St. Cleburne, you know, it's there too. Yeah. It's everywhere. Um, but it's higher concentrated in, in hubs like that, in Metroplex areas mm-hmm. uh, for the simple pack, fact that there's more people. That's really just what it boils down to. If someone wanted to reach out to Moses Movement and Angela Thorne, how can they get a hold of you? Well, my website is MosesMovement.com and it's M-V-M-T. It's short for movement. Mm -hmm. My email address is athorne at MosesMovement.com. Those are going to be the two best ways to reach out to me. And if someone wants to hire you for an educational program? Yes. So... um, if I'm if I'm allowed to kind of promote what we're Do doing, it. sure. This is what okay. We're here. All right. So um, the three programs. Yes, the very first one is presentations, just like what we talked about having right. me come in. I can cater it to whatever audience or needs that you're trying to, to aim towards for your group, your colleagues, or whatever you're trying to uh, accomplish. Eventually, that'll morph once we start raising more funds into panels and and more workshops and things like that that are more hands-on and interactive. The second one's going to be the Getting Out Project, like I I explained earlier with documentary-style education, I guess you could say, more entertainment phase to where we'll expand that. I'll have a full documentary made of my story, and then we'll start highlighting other people's stories as well so you can see the different aspects of what it can look like. 
And then the third one is called the SAVE Project, and it stands for Survivors Against Violence and Exploitation. Mm -hmm. And that's going to be a three-act stage play that tells the story of two survivors. Um, It's going to be more geared towards... um, youth um the audience for that will be um or my my goal and my hope is to get that in schools in a program that they do at least once or twice a year grades 6 through 12 that hopefully prevents but the reality is it might help get people out as well um so we'll provide a team of resources and things as such if that's the case you're a 501c3 (laughs) yes so if someone wants to donate money it's a it's a it's a write-off to whoever and and they they can make uh, non-profit donations this is true angela thorne i appreciate the the bravery for coming on the podcast and talking about your uh, your story if you want to reach out to to Angela. Again, it's Moses Movement and Moses spelled like the biblical name. Yes. Uh, M-V- M-T. Dot com. Yep. Are there any final words, any parting words you want to say to our audience before sure. we say goodbye? Sure. I just want to encourage everybody to stop seeing this topic as taboo. That's kind of my phrase. Like we've got to really start seeing this as a vital conversation and a narrative that we need to start having in our homes, our schools, our churches, everywhere, if we're going to bring an end to modern day slavery. Bless you. Thank you. Bless you. (laughs) Thanks for being on About Mansfield. Yes. Thank you. Coming up next week on About Mansfield, we will talk in studio with the new executive director of the Mansfield Economic Development Corporation, Jason Moore. As always, this is the place where you can hear the latest Mansfield news, sports, and weather. Until then, don't forget to like, follow, subscribe, share, love, support this podcast if you haven't already so you never miss an episode. It's free and it's easy. Head on over to our website, aboutmansfield.com, right there on the homepage, enter your email address. We will never send you any spam. We promise. About Mansfield is recorded at Podcast Mansfield Recording Studio. Hosts, Steve Casillo and Colleen Daniel. Reporter, Dennis Webb. Moment with the Mayor feature, Michael Evans. Methodist Mansfield News to Know, Angel Biasati. Mansfield Real Estate Market Update, Beth Steinke. Ask Terry Home Improvement, Terry Radswin. Cocktail of the Week, Brian Sarton. Post-production editing, mixing, and mastering, Steve Casillo. We thank you all for listening. On behalf of the entire news team, I'm Steve Casillo, and this is About Mansfield. <laughs>